Sports Talk with your host, Robert Lamb. For the first time in their history, the Astros sweep a postseason series. Of course, uh, Robert here along with my co-host, R.G. Seal. And, R.G., uh, you can't ask for anything more. I mean, this this all worked out perfectly for the Astros. You know, you you finish this one off in three games. You're going on to the next round. But um, the big thing is uh, you, you didn't have to go deep into your bullpen much in this series. All of your hitters seem to click. Even Carlos Correa gets a home run late in game three. Get him off the schneid. Get him going maybe. This is perfect for the Astros. I mean, they couldn't have asked for anything more. Let me first ask, did you get your ALDS gear yet? Your ALCS now, uh, ADLS champ, so you move on to the next round. Are you running to the different stores around town? Do we see the orange and blue? Uh, those Astros fans, they're, they're pretty spoiled these days. I don't know. Like I said, I thought they were sitting on their hands a little bit when they were at home. I talked. I heard from somebody who was at the ballpark that felt the same way. It was more like a reactive crowd than a proactive crowd. Well, it's going to be proactive now. It's the ALCS. You're just like a steps away from a pennant. You can get back to the World Series. That still doesn't happen very often. It's only happened twice in Houston history. Uh, when this game started, you know, I was watching the two pitchers, and it, it's real funny because, you know, Clevenger has got this wicked, crazy stuff, and then Dallas Keuchel, you know, dinks and dunks you and throws his junk at you. Uh, the only similarity the two of them have is a, a tattoo sleeve on their off arm. I, I Apparently, I guess, RG, if you have the tattoo sleeve on your pitching arm, it slows down the pitching arm, maybe? I, I'm, I'm not sure what the deal is there. So you, you like the uh, tattoos on the, uh, the tattoo sleeves on the arms, then it's basically kind of what it's kind of in vogue here in baseball. Yeah, I'm wondering maybe is Keiko, I didn't even notice this before, but I guess Keiko, does he shave his other arm? Because his arm looks, you know, in the bright sun sunlight, I was like, come on. Dallas Keiko with that beard, he's got to have some hair on his arms, like naturally. Don't tell me he doesn't have hair on his arm. Well, I mean, I guess besides get, getting to, to how they dress or how their appearance is, like we, we just have to, again, praise getting back to what you first started the show with is that the team was – they were phenomenal over these three games. I mean, they they dominated the Indians. And this isn't just some average team. This was a team that just won the pennant two years ago that won over 100 games last season and were ousted by the Yankees in the first round, came back, won their division again. This is, has been, a, you know, under Terry Francona, a very successful team, and they just completely ripped them to pieces. I mean, their total their total hitting in this series, I mean, it was uh, – this just tells you about the pitching staff of the Astros. The Cleveland batted 144 for the series. There was only one guy who was really a problem for the Astros, Francisco Lindor at the top of the lineup. He had two home runs. He, he had 364 for the series. Outside of him, their lineup was quiet, and it's a deep lineup that we talked about. That just goes to show you, again, just how the Astros starters in this day of modern baseball, where everybody talks about the bullpens, I mean, the starters for the Astros set the tone in this series. First, Justin Verlander taking the ball. We talked about it with Garrett Cole. And then also, like you mentioned, Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I thought that he you know, pitched a strong game. He gave the Astros innings. That's what he does. Uh, and he kept them in there, and they were able to get the clutch hits. And what? once again, what can you say about Marwin Gonzalez? This guy turns it on. He had the key hit against Kenley Jansen last year in Game 2 of the World Series, a home run that kind of shook the world because it changed the tone of the World Series, and the Astros would go on to win it. He had a big hit in Game 2, and he also already had big hit here in, in Game 3, uh, which he hits this 
this high fastball that's coming at him and he just is able to, to you know connect on it it was a ball and sends it uh, down the left field line and and that's the Astros take the lead from that point and don't look back yeah you talk about uh Marwin Gonzalez that the ball that he hits uh down the line that was so high that even Evan Gaddis was like wait dude that's that's way too high I don't even hit it that high what what are you doing <laughs> Yeah, he was he was great. And and the thing about Marwin is, I mean, he had 538, 1264 OPS. He he's right behind Bregman uh as far as his numbers are concerned. Bregman 556, Bregman just doing Bregman type stuff. But the other thing uh when we when you talk about what happened early in that game with Keuchel and Clevenger, I mean, Clevenger's Clevenger's stuff is just ridiculous. I mean, to me, that's the best stuff from any starter that I saw from the Indians. And when they took him out of the game, you know, I was like, thank you, Francona. Thank you very much, because I don't want to see that guy anymore. He was doing a pretty good job against the Astros. Yeah, Springer hit the home run. It was a hanging slider. Springer hit a really good pitch. He made a, like a minor mistake there. But, you know, Springer does that. I mean, this and we need to talk about Springer a little bit. But, um, you know, getting Clevenger out of the game, you know, you heard Hinch. Uh, in the middle of the uh, of that game, say we're we're racking up any you know we're racking up the pitch count. Um, we're we're gonna get him down in innings so he doesn't have to pitch as many innings. That's our goal. We're doing what we want to do. Well, that was just it. You said it right there. They wanted to get uh, Clevenger out of the game because as we've discussed before. The Indians do not have the bullpen that they've had in the past this year. Cody Allen has not been the same pitcher. Andrew Miller, is unfortunately, kind of looked like a – I mean, fortunately for the Astros, but unfortunately if you're a baseball fan, he's looked like a shell of, a, of his former self. And, uh, and then you also had Trevor Bauer coming in. It's the third time he's pitched. He pitched in all of the games of the series. He's generally a starter, generally has his four pitches, needs to get into a game. I mean, he's been dominant this year, but just coming back off of injury – and so, again, he was a little bit inconsistent, too. So you had all of these guys. And, you know, I am I know what you're saying about Clevenger. Uh, I thought Carrasco, actually, I mean, as far as the best pitcher in this series, uh, that was the guy that was really fooling the Astros because he has that uh, deceptive stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, obviously Clevenger has the 98, you know, 99 mile. He can just throw the heat up there. But I mean, all these Indians pitchers are good. I mean, Corey Kluber has a collection of, of Cy Young's on his mantelpiece because he's been an excellent pitcher. He just didn't pitch well the first game of the series. But again, credit the Astros because they keep putting the pressure on. When you have Justin Verlander going out there pitching five no-hit innings, when you have uh, in game two, Garrett Cole kind of with this historic performance of 12 strikeouts, zero base on balls, bases on ball. Uh, and then you have this third game where, I mean, Keuchel, you know, I, I mean, it, it, like you said, he's crafty. He's a lefty. He was able to kind of mix and match. And he was able, again, give the Astros innings, keep them, keep the score down. And, and then they were able to break three, through. And that was the recipe. It was to get to the Cleveland bullpen. And when Clevenger's up by, you know, 90, 100 pitches by the fifth or sixth inning and the way that the Astros were able to tax their relievers in previous games, you just had a feeling that somehow they would break through, which they ultimately did. Also want to thank uh, Frank Conifer or whoever idea, whoever idea it was to let Francisco Lemdor bunt with runners on first and second against Keuchel because 
uh, Lindor is the only guy on, in the lineup that did anything the whole series. I guess that Francona was thinking at that point, you know, just want to be able to get two runners in the scoring position and a base hit and and can put two runs on the board. But yeah, you hate to take the the bat out of your uh, your your hottest hitter. So uh, yeah, that was generally a gift uh, from from uh, Terry Francona. And look, I mean Terry Francona, like you mentioned earlier, you know he's had the magic touch. Look, he won with Boston. He had a magical run uh, up against the Cubs a couple of years ago, losing in Game Seven. I mean he's a great manager, but he wasn't perfect in this series either. And when he brought in relievers, especially Andrew Miller, I mean, again, that was a, a couple of times there. And and then, you know, he, he went back to certain guys like Andrew Miller and then yanked him kind of quickly and, you know, just kind of like wasn't the typical kind of like bullpen magic that uh, Terry Francona has had in the past. So well, we, we talked about it when the series started. I mean, we said once you get into that uh, Indians bullpen, it's it's not the same as getting into the Astros bullpen. I mean, they're just they just don't have the depth that the Astros have. They don't have the arms. They're They're just not as good. I mean, some of those guys you know, aren't what they once were, but you know, they just, just don't have what the Astros have as far as the book. And the only guy that I was at all concerned about was Will Harris. And of course he comes in and he gives up the only run outside of what Keiko gave up uh, in this entire game. So that, that, that was it. I mean, he was the only guy that of the Astros pitchers that looked good. We got to give some props to Colin McHugh who had a couple of really key good innings for the Astros and Tony Kemp, I mean, that big move. I mean, I, I don't know if I would have had the guts to say, okay, Tyler White, you've been hitting great. You know, you've been banging the ball around, been getting walks, been, uh, you know, getting on base like you like you have been. And then to put in Tony Kemp as the DH instead of Tyler White, and then Tyler, and then Tony Kemp gets on first base a couple of times. And I guess you know AJ Hitch just knew it. You know, this is the deal. We're going to get Tony Kemp on first base. And they're going to throw the ball past the first baseman, and Tony Kemp's going to be on second base. So it's going to be like doubles. Well, I think a couple of things here. First, uh, looking at it from uh, A.J. Hinch's perspective and looking at uh, – you, you saw that he also started Brian McCann, too, at catcher, left-handed bat. And I, I noticed looking at the splits before the game that over the uh, course of a season that uh, – you know, Clevenger against left-handed batter, batters, they had a 234 average, I think, against him, as opposed to right-handers, which were 204. So uh, if you had left-handed bats, they generally saw the ball better and hit the ball better coming uh, against uh, Clevenger. And the other thing being, as you saw, we know that Tony Kemp worked counts, and they what did they what did we say earlier in the show? They wanted to get into the bullpen. And yes, that was, to me, like he had a key at bat there, his first at bat, just getting, you know, Going to a full count, working that walk, because, again, that builds up the pitch camp, puts runner on base, makes the, uh, somebody like Clevenger who you know has that, like you said, that, that great step, that great fastball, but you're thinking about the runners on base and, and you, you know, you're trying to get a strikeout, so you throw, end up throwing more pitches. So I, you know, I think it was, uh, again, uh, putting him in the lineup, and, and it was also good to get him in the lineup because I think he's going to be necessary – uh, even if he doesn't start in a game, we've seen this year where Tony Kemp comes in late, where he's that guy that can pinch hit uh, and, you know, get on base and start a rally. So uh, I, I definitely liked seeing him play today, and uh, he was an important contributor. Yeah, Tyler White, you mentioned, you know, him and, and, and Tony Kemp and, and getting on base. Well, Tyler White does that, too. He works counts. He gets on base. I mean, there, there was the thought process in my head. If you if you were going to start Tony Kemp, 
you know, maybe you put him in instead of Josh Reddick, but that takes a little bit of something away from your defense in the outfield. And I get it. Josh Reddick's hit the ball pretty well. Um, but yeah, Tony Kemp and Tyler White, exactly what AJ Hinch would be talking about. Let's make him throw pitches. Let's get him out of the ball game. Still at 90 some odd pitches. I was still surprised. I mean, I was still surprised because he does throw a lot of pitches. They're not afraid to throw a lot of pitches. It's a do or die game. Uh, he had been pitching well, I thought, uh, you know, I, 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 it's just something I would, I might've left him in, especially knowing the situation with their bullpen, their bullpen ERA in this series. And of course, a lot of that came in this game, but their bullpen ERA for the series was over 11. That was their weakness coming in the playoffs and the Astros goal, whether it was with Corey Kluber in the first game, you know, they got the home runs off him from Springer, from Altuve, from uh, Alex Bregman, you know, knock him out of the game, get to the bullpen. Second uh, game, and we, we mentioned it, that Carlos Carrasco was pretty much shutting down the Astros and uh, they got Terry Francona to lift him from the game. So, I mean, the same thing, get to the bullpen because that's been their weak link. And I also want to kind of mention again, because we haven't even uh, talked about this, but hey, there's a new Mr. October. I mean, we talk about Reggie Jackson, but for whatever reason, when October rolls around, when the postseason comes, I mean, George Springer, he, you know, had two home runs in this deciding game that ended the series, allowed the Astros to advance, also had that kind of like you know, bunt hit down the third base line to get on base that also uh, started that rally or helped contribute to that rally. So, I mean, George Springer, again, kind of coming up big in the postseason when it's needed. And hopefully that continues into the next round because we know he's a very streaky hitter. I think it's eight postseason home runs in his last nine games or something like that. So- yeah, if he had gotten a home run in game two, then it would have been, you know, he would be... Uh, yeah, chasing a record there, or maybe a surpass it because I, I believe he had what five straight games with a home run. Oh, he's right up there. The number of home runs in games, I think he's tied with like uh, Carlos Beltran in, in 2004, right here in Houston, and right. Reggie Jackson in 77 and 78. Reggie Jackson, yes, Reggie Jackson. That's the name. Mr. October, you... the new Mr. October, Mr. October Part Two. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you got you know Alex Bregg. I mean. I tell you what, RG, I mean, I, I thought I had seen the, the the most clutch Houston sports team in history when I was watching the 94, 95 Rockets. But I mean, the Houston Astros of this era, it, it's hard to match, you know, what they do in big situations when games are on the line. I mean, you were surprised when Yuli had a couple of bad at bats in the clutch because, you know, he hit like 400 with runners in scoring position. Uh, during the regular season, I mean, his his numbers with the bases loaded, they put they put that number up on the board, and it was something ridiculous. Like he was, you know, fourteen of twenty three or something like that, and he didn't get it done in a couple of situations early in the game. And I think then he drew a walk, but still, I mean, Yuli is so clutch, and Bregman, and you know, Correa comes up when you you know. And finally gets into the act. But, you know, of course, what with what Marwin has done and Springer. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. And, and that's just the hitters we haven't even talked about. You know, that's not even, you know, including Justin Verlander and some of the guys that have been pitching as well. So, I mean, this team is it's about as clutch as it gets. And, I mean, your confidence can't be more sky high for the, for the Yankees and the Red Sox series. And I don't know about you, but. You know, I, I, I sort of want, I, I would prefer the Red Sox because the Yankees scare me a little bit more than the Red Sox. 
Yeah, well, before we go into that, and we want to just talk a little bit more about this series, but we'll get into, yeah, about who the Astros will be facing next. It'll be the Yankees, the Red Sox. But I also wanted to mention here uh, a couple of things. First of all, about Carlos Correa, because a couple of things noticed in the game three today. Of course, he had that that three home run, uh, three run home run late in the game, but he also was able to to work walks. He's still when you start see him like Bill Brown said when he was doing the preview for this series. When you see Carlos Correa go to the opposite field, which he did for a home run again. I mean, to me, that's something we the, the Astros are going to need this guy. They're going to need production from the bottom. You know, he's now batting in the in the bottom portion of the order. But just to see Carlos Correa get that home run again maybe there's something that's clicking there and uh, and he's still you know with his eye he's still able to get walks he's still able to work deep counts so hopefully that can carry over to the next series yeah no I mean that's that was a good sign it was a good sign with what you saw with Correa do you want to talk about the next series or did you have anything else on this one well, I mean, I had a couple of things on this one, too, and, I, you know, it, it kind of leads into the next series, but it's also on the Astros' defensive eff- efforts. And, I mean, you saw just like with with the Indians, I mean, with Trevor Bauer when he was on the mound, he had a couple of the errors, whether it was, you know, just when the Astros were on the base pass or throwing back to first base, you know, and uh, – what really with the Astros, they have, you know, the number one ranked defense, too. So and and they also position themselves. Remember in that Donaldson where he just totally scalded the ball. And yet uh, Jose Altuve was positioned in the right place to take that hit away from him. So not only I mean, you have the front office working with the coaching staff, moving with the defensive shifts, but then you have players that are excellent defenders, whether it's around Alex Bregman, uh, you have Jose Altuve, uh, you know, Carlos Correa, even though he's been injured and, and not the same at the plate, he's still been excellent out in the field. And even Yuli Gurriel was making some plays out in the field. And I know you've been critical of him in the past, but just this this defense, too, is, is and that to me going into the next series, when you have a team that's hitting well in the clutch, that has star players performing like they should be, where you're getting contributions from other players in the lineup that you're not expecting, when you have great starting pitching and when your bullpen is doing well, too, I mean, the Astros are firing on all cylinders. So that's why it is just so everybody's really excited. And you hope that this layoff that they're going to have between now and the uh, American League Championship Series, that they can still sustain that momentum because they're really I mean, they're, they're really playing their best baseball of the year right now in October. Uh, when is the best time to be playing your best baseball? Yeah, they they, they do it everything. They do it all. I mean, it's just uh, George Springer. Um, I see one stat where he's got more career postseason home runs than Barry Bonds and forty three fewer at bats. He's got more postseason or the same amount of postseason home runs as Lou Gehrig and fewer at bats. So it's yeah, it's some pretty good company uh, he's sticking with. Uh, so George Springer, uh, just unbelievable and. You know, can't say how much I love that guy. And looking towards the future, uh, you know, if we're talking about between those two teams, you know, the Yankees, it seems like they give the Astros a little bit more problem than the Boston Red Sox do. The Red Sox, it feels like uh, they've got some serious issues in the bullpen. I'm not too sure about their starters. Uh, the Yankees, they're playing pretty well right now. And I, I of, the, of the teams that are left in the playoffs that scare me, I would say the Yankees are, are the team that most scares me. 
if I'm the Astros. But I don't know if anybody really scares me. But yeah, uh, those are the, uh, of the teams, they would be the one. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Just because, look, if you look at the Yankees lineup, now that Aaron Judge is back, he makes such a tremendous, uh, he has such a significant impact on that lineup. Uh, when he, I mean, he hit home runs in his first three postseason games, a wild card game, the first two games. I mean, he just changes that lineup because, you know, he's a monster in the lineup. And then you have uh, one through nine, the Yankees have players who have hit 20 or more home runs. I mean, that's the first time in history, I believe, that a team has had one through nine in their lineup, 20 or more home runs. So they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And we have seen, even with the Astros uh, and their pitchers being at the top of their games, uh, you know, Justin Verlander's given up the solo home runs this year. Garrett Cole, the same thing. Because when you're pitching really well and you're striking out and not many base runners get on, sometimes they're going to connect with that 97, 98-mile-per-hour fastball or that hanging slider over the plate, as we saw with Francisco Lindor over Garrett Cole. So if you're looking with the Yankees, I mean, they have the ability to mash and 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 score runs. And then their pitching staff, of course, their bullpen. Everybody talks about their bullpen when you have uh, Batances and, and uh, Dylan Batances, uh, uh, David Robertson, and you have uh, Zach Britton and, of course, Aroldis Chapman. You have these guys that are lights out in the bullpen. But their staff is underrated, too. So you look at Tanaka and uh, – you know, Luis Severino and CC Sabathia, you know, and Jay Happ, whoever the Yankees want to throw out there, they could potentially give you five, six innings and get to that bullpen. With, I think where the Astros have a real advantage against the Yankees is the Yankees struggle defensively. Gary, Gary Sanchez is a below average ca- catcher, but they want him in the lineup because he can hit. Then you have uh, Andrew Harsadano at third base made a lot of errors. I mean, if you look at them defensively, that's where their weakness is. So that, is, to me, if you're going to face the Yankees, you want to have guys that are not going to be striking out in your lineup that can put the ball in play because make them play defense, make keep them honest that way. As for the Red Sox, looking at that team, uh, they also have a very good lineup. And when you have guys like basically – uh, MVPs competing with one another and Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez. I mean, they are a, you know, a, a loaded lineup up and down. You got Xander Bogarts, Andrew Benatendi, uh, who we saw last year, can really work counts as a, as a nice hitter. They have a really good hitting lineup, so it'll still be a tough lineup, a lengthy lineup like what you had against the Indians. But uh, I think where the, and the Red Sox, of course, have Chris Sale anchoring their rotation. Uh, and, uh, you know, they do have David Price, who struggled in the postseason. So maybe he's he's lost a little bit of that luster. And they have uh, Nathan Eovaldi. So they have, like, starters who can give them innings. The, the question is, outside of Kembrell in the bullpen, they've had some real problems. As we saw with the Indians, you get to their bullpen. So the Astros, they're, they're – uh, same objective would be with the Red Sox, get to the bullpen. And because the bullpen's weaker, and even the starting staff, when you look at it compared to the Yankees, the guys who are in the Red Sox outside of Chris Sale, I mean, David Price, he's continued to struggle in the in the postseason until he has those signature moments. You would you would much rather kind of face guys have, that have question marks. So question marks in bullpen, question marks in the starting rotation. Even though they won 108 games, I think you're right, just matchup-wise. That's how I see both teams. But it'll be tough series for the Astros no matter what. They're, they're, they're both great teams. They both won 100-plus games. And it'll be exciting because it's New York and Boston. And I don't know if you saw Alex Bregman, but he said basically – Hey, uh, you know, we're a primetime team. We should be playing at seven o'clock in the evening. 
thing. Uh, where are our primetime games? And they said, yeah, well, you're going to get them now. You're going to be going over to the Yankees or the Red Sox. So get ready for the Alex Bregman stare and get ready for that. Remember, they used to call the Saturday Night Live not ready for primetime players. Well, I guess we'll call this the, the ready for primetime players because Alex Bregman's ready for it. If the Yankees win, the Astros get the home field advantage, although I don't know if they need a home field after this year. If the Red Sox win, obviously they don't. They don't. Uh, with the way the records line up and everything like that. But either way, you're looking forward to it. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a tough series. Maybe, you know, maybe the Astros just sweep them. Maybe this, that's just the way they roll. Hey, I'd love to see that. I was thinking, hey, wouldn't it be great just a sweep, sweep uh, the uh, uh, you know division series against the Indians, sweep the uh, American League Championship Series, win the pennant, and then sweep the World Series and, yeah, go through undefeated in a postseason. That would be awesome, but... Most likely it doesn't happen. There are highs and lows. We saw that with uh, you know the postseason run last year, just as long as you're lifting the trophy at the end. But I, I did want to go over uh, another thing with you. Is there any kind of roster change that you would make? You mentioned Will Harris. I, I you know You said that, uh, guess what? He gave up a run. You weren't really happy with that decision. We now know the Astros are going to a – they have a 14-11 man roster, I mean 14 – a position player, 11 pitcher roster. But generally speaking, in last year, they went to 13 players and 12 pitchers for the seven-game series. A, my first question to you is, do you do that? Do you switch from 13, I mean, from 14 to 13 position players and 12 pitchers? Or do you keep it 14 and 11? And do you change anybody off of that from this round to the next round? Well, I, I, pro- I might keep it 14 and 11 just because um, – you know, these pitchers that they have in the bullpen, the ones that they're keeping, and I, and I would get rid of Will Harris, and I might put in Joe Smith or a Brad Peacock or somebody else. But um, if I were the Astros, you know, I, I would probably keep it because they've got guys that can go a little bit more extended innings. You know, you can throw Lance McCullers two innings. You can throw Colin McHugh two innings. I think when Josh James gets gets in there, you're going to be able to throw him a couple innings if you need to. Uh, so they, they got guys that could go multiple innings. And, yeah, you may say, well, you need more pitchers because it is a seven-game series. I don't know. I, I do like having that bonus little weapon. I mean, I agree with you. I, I love having uh, Mr. Speed at the at the back end of the bench in, in, in those situations where uh, you want to put a guy on second or first base that's got some 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 blazing speed, so keeping Miles Straw around. But – I mean, I, I guess that's the he would be the odd man out. I would assume if they if they go uh, the direction that you're talking about, thirteen and twelve. Well, if they do, uh, you're right. I think that, that that he would be the odd man out because you'd be keeping Jake Marisnik, and then Jake Marisnik would be the guy potentially that you put on the bases. But nobody really has the speed of Miles Straw. But if the Astros want to do that, and I, I also I think you're right too in in a sense that. You know, the, the relievers that the Astros do have back there, and maybe that's something that they, they change up for their series because they're comfortable with, you know, Lance McCullers. They're comfortable with Colin McHugh, McHugh with, with Presley, with, uh, you know, Roberto Asuna. So that kind of the bullpen, maybe they, they go for somebody like a Brad Peacock, who's another starter. So if they were to go into extra innings, you have like the McHugh's. And, and the Peacocks who have started before, or even the Josh James, it could give you, you know, three or four innings, you know. So uh, if you decide to keep uh, those guys on the roster or you substitute like a Will Harris out and, uh, you know, 
put in, uh, let's say, a, a Brad Peacock, like you'd mentioned. I don't think Chris Devensky is really, uh, you know, a serious consideration because of his struggles at the end of the season, even though he was one of the best relievers last year. Hector Rondon, I'm just not sure if they go back to him because he almost he had a couple of outbursts after not being on the roster. Now, Joe Smith is interesting because depending on who the matchup is with the Red Sox or the Yankees, he might look at the splits and see, uh, you know, He's performed better against one team or the other. And I think that's going to be a decision again kind of towards the end of the day because they wanted somebody, you know, with the last couple. We know that the the, the bullpen guys who are definitely going to be there are, you know, Osuna closing. And then, like you mentioned, uh, Colin McHugh, Lance McCullers, uh, Ryan Presley and uh, Tony Sipp being the left-hander. So then you have a couple of other spots. Do they add another, make it three? And then they also still had Framber Valdez. Remember, they had him go down for expended t- extended spring training so if they want to bring out another left-hander who could give innings and he remember he he pitched pretty well for the Astros when he was there I doubt that he would be added to the roster over somebody like a Peacock like somebody like a Joe Smith like somebody like a Hector Rondon uh, but you never know uh, depending on uh, you know the uh, the matchup so and 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 if anybody is ever injured but we didn't even see Charlie Morton this series this was a guy who was the Close out the Astros World Series Game 7 win last year. He pitched so many clutch games. He hasn't even appeared yet, but he's maybe resting that shoulder, so that's a good thing. Well, Pedro said it. I mean, after the game, the postgame, I was watching Pedro Martinez, and he was like, hey, this Astros team is so good. You know, they threw out their three starters. They got guys not even on their postseason roster, somewhere in their middle of the bullpen, that most teams would kill for as their starters going into the postseason, whether it was Colin McHugh or Brad Peacock or Josh James, or, uh, you know, we, you know, Charlie Morton that didn't play, of course, but, but, you know, he would have played if there was a game four. But, I mean, they're just, they're so loaded. Framber Valdez, you just mentioned. I mean, all these guys uh, that other teams are like, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind pitching them. You know, the A's would just be salivating over some of these guys. <laughs> so, you know, that it just shows you how deep the Astros are. It, it, it's ridiculous. And to me, the, the, the Astros aren't going to get beat uh, very easily. It's, it's, you know, that you can't beat them. You're not going to be, be better than them defensively. Typically, you're not going to be better than their starters. Typically, it's going to be super hard to be better than their bullpen. It's going to be super hard to be more clutch than the Astros, to, to be smarter on the base pass. I mean, the Astros, you know, one thing after another, they do everything that you would want right in a baseball team. I mean, they're just so amazing and just, you know, just enjoy the ride, kids. That's all I can yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, that's enjoy the ride. But I want to ask you that when you're mentioning about, again, with Charlie Charlie Morton for the postseason here and coming up, he didn't pitch in this series. We know he's had the shoulder tenderness, the astronaut holding him out. So it's actually good that he gets more rest. But sometimes when you come back from pitching and not having pitched in a while, uh, it can be kind of wild. I'm just kind of curious, like, if, if – if the kind of the setup the Astros have right now, where, you, of course, you have Verlander starting game one, I assume game two would be uh, with Garrett Cole. Would you have for game three, then would you have Charlie uh, Morton come into that game or would you have him start a game four because you have Keuchel? Because ultimately, you know, I mean, I guess going to a game game seven, you know, the, you know, whoever starts game three could conceivably start game seven. Um for a winner take all type scenario. So I'm I'm just kind of curious on that because he was so good last year and he just hasn't pitched in a while. But if you, you know, so how would you kind of use Charlie Morton in this upcoming series? I, I mean, he's my number three starter. I mean, I think he's better than Dallas Keuchel at this point. 
But, you know, I'm not A.J. Hinch, and I don't know what goes through his head and, and how he figures it out. So I, I don't know what exactly he would do. I mean, that's going to be an interesting decision for him. But, um, you know, again, if you're playing the Yankees and you have home field advantage, so Dallas Keuchel would be pitching game three at Yankee Stadium. We know Dallas Keuchel has done pretty well at Yankee Stadium before in big situations. So, you know, you might throw that in as a factor. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in the past, he's really had the Yankees number, not so much this year because they acquired Giancarlo Stanton. And they also have like, um, you know, Aaron, Aaron Judge in the lineup two two big right handed hitters. And uh, I know that earlier this season, remember that game where Giancarlo Stanton had a couple of home runs off of Dallas Keuchel. So uh, but yes, you're right. Over the course of his career, he's really pitched well against the Yankees. It's just a little bit different lineup. And it is uh, got some really good right-handed mashers in that lineup now. Um, and, and uh, you know, pitching in the Bronx, though, didn't frighten him a few years ago when he won the wild card game. And he, and he, he was probably the best pitcher in history versus the Yankees for, over, uh, for the first several starts of his career. It's only been a little bit recent where he's been rocky against them. So maybe we see some pinstripes that brings out the best in Dallas Keuchel. So, yeah, that might be uh, in AJ's magic hat because he's got to be wearing something to, to have the Astros going on this kind of run again. Any final words? I mean, I'm out of good stuff. I mean, what can you say? The, the, the Astros are pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm just ex- I'm excited like you. I mean, we both like Astros fans our whole life, but just watching this experience, we know about the history of the team. We've seen the ups and the downs. I mean, this is the best baseball we've ever witnessed in our lifetime, you know, in the city of Houston. And it's it's just incredible. It's exhilarating to know that you have a team. Look, if they're going to, you know, we expect them to win a championship. Those are the expectations now. That's great. Winning a World Series, finally, you know, that lifted it up that, hey, this can be done. It can, you can win a World Series in Houston. Everybody's excited, but enthusiastic about this team. But they just play the game so well. So in order for anybody to beat them, you really feel like they would have to take it to the Astros and play their absolute best to, to, to beat the Astros. But I don't think any other team out there that I've watched this year, they all have some weaknesses and the Astros, I mean, they're like we, we've been discussing their sound in all departments. So, uh, I mean, that's why there's just so exciting. And it's it's and I mean, last year was a great ride, but the Astros had some flaws last season. We knew, gosh, please, you know, everybody would sit down and pray, get on their knees. Oh, no, the bullpen's coming in. Can we, we just hold it on? Wait, we just got a home run. Can we just hold this lead? Oh, boy. You know, you don't you know, this year you feel great. The bullpen arms come into the game. You feel great about the starters. Uh, you know, you feel with the lineup again, you know, they struggled for part of this year, maybe coming out of the beginning and all of that. But, you know, they've been able to hear recently of late, you know, come up with string together, clutch hits, really come together as a team. So, yeah. And that's why I mean, watching this team right now, watching this Houston Astros team, it's the best baseball we've witnessed. Just proud to 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 be able to say, hey, I love the Houston Astros and watching them play. I guess the last thing I've got is, uh, you know, with all the good stuff that's happened with the Astros over the last few years, one of the crazier stories uh, was the Chris Correa story, the the Cardinals analyst that got throw, thrown in jail for hacking into the Astros database. And, of course, he was a guy that worked with Jeff Luno with the Cardinals and uh, the thing went to trial. And, and our friend Ben Ryder, who wrote Astro Ball, we had – Ben talking about Astro Ball on the podcast. If you didn't see it this, if you didn't hear it this summer, go listen to it. Good story. But Ben Ryder, an incredible story that he wrote for SI and SI exclusive about 
Chris Correa, and I, and I never thought I would say this, but after reading this story, you kind of feel bad for this guy. I mean, this guy maybe is doing a little bit more than he, than uh, he's getting punched a little bit more than he should have for what happened. And, and, you know, it's an interesting look at the judicial system. Go check it out. I put it on Houston sports talk, uh, Facebook page. I put it up on the, on the, tw- on the uh, Twitter account, HST podcast. Uh, but you should be able to find it. If you didn't see it there, it's just type in Chris Correa and Ben Ryder. It's a good story. Go check it out. But the Astros uh, sweep the Indians and move on to the ALCS for the second straight year. It's either the Red Sox or the Yankees, baby. Can't wait for it. Thanks again for listening. And if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.